Here at Mercy Village Church, we are on a mission with Jesus to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone. There are eight distinctive evidences we believe we will see if we are truly on that mission. We are a peculiar people, and these are the shaping characteristics of Mercy Village Church. Say these words with me. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Thank you. Carolyn, uh, if you haven't guessed, those of you who have been around the church maybe for years, that's a passage people go to when they're going to talk about community, the body of Christ functioning together in community. When we, during our first year as a, as a church plant, we had a, a small core team that grew very quickly by God's grace. It wasn't the way we wrote the story, it's the way God wrote the story, but we read this book, or at least part of it. If you had, another thing you'll learn about me is I don't really follow through well with book studies, so that's also a legit thing. But we read most of this book together as a core team, the compelling community where God's power makes a church attractive. I've read this quote before. You're learning a lot about me today. Another thing you'll learn about me is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There's things that I'll come back to every time until, by God's grace, you have somebody else up here to preach periodically, right? But until then, there's things that I'm going to repeat because I believe they deeply transformative in our lives individually and in our lives as a church. In the book, uh, the author says the gospel doesn't end with our salvation, that moment that we come into relationship with Jesus. It doesn't end there. It leads to some very disruptive implications. And then he looks at the book of Galatians where Jews and Gentiles are being brought together, right? And all these ethnic differences, traditional differences, but brought together um, in a relationship with God and with each other. And he says the cross is how Christ put to death their hostility. After all, what else could ever bring together two peoples with such different history, ethnicity, religion, and culture. He goes on to say, Consider a group of Jews and Gentiles who share nothing in common except for a centuries-old loathing for one another. For less extreme modern-day parallel, think of liberal Democrats and libertarian Republicans. Again, those, those lines in our country, if you haven't noticed, are becoming more and more distinct, more and more distance, more and more divisive from, from one another. Or think of the disdain of the Prada Shod fashionista. I have no idea what that is. Just kidding. For the NASCAR crowd. I threw in a few of my own. Think of the vaxxed versus the unvaxxed. When I read this, we were in the height of the pandemic. The masked versus the unmasked. Blue lines, black lives. Asians, Africans, Anglos, Latinos. Here's a big one. Those who set the thermostat on 68 versus those who like to set it at 72. Okay. Some people love money. Some people love comfort. That's my philosophy. (laughs) Rednecks and intellectuals, hipsters and boomers, trust funds and food stamps, young, old, single, divorced, families of six crazy people. Dog and cat lovers, even WVU fans and Marshall fans, right? Together, 
in one place. And what the author says, right, bring all those people together into a local church where they rub shoulders on a regular basis and things explode, right? No. Because of the one thing that they do have in common. The bond of Christ. They live together in astonishing love and unity. Unity that is so unexpected, so contrary to how our world operates, that even the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms stand up and take notice. God's plans are amazing, aren't they? One way in which this community glorifies God is by reaching people who apart from supernatural power would never unite together. Supernatural community makes the glory of an invisible God visible in the world we're in. That's community. Today we step back into our Peculiar People sermon series. We're going through eight distinctives, eight marks of the people of God at Mercy Village Church. As we live out our mission, we exist to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone. What is the evidence that we're living on that mission? There's a lot of them, not just these eight things, but these are eight specific ones that we believe are important for us to see as evidential markers that we're on mission together. We've talked about walking with Jesus through prayer and reading the Bible. We've talked about risky faith, that we would follow God wherever, whenever, and however He leads us. We talked about selfless ministry. We saw Jesus wash His disciples' feet. We lay our lives down for one another. And today we talk about walking with one another. Community. Here's how we've stated it, kind of a summary. Christianity is lived out in community, and so we will value it highly. We place a high value on community at Mercy Village Church because we believe that's where Christianity is is lived out, so that matters. We'll gather corporately for community on Sundays. That's what's happening right now. We'll do that for other special days like Christmas Eve, perhaps, or other events. And here, in this place, communally, we will worship Jesus in the majority alongside brothers and sisters in Christ. Have you thought about that, those of you that work in a secular environment, right? We are in the Bible Belt, so even in some of our secular environments, we might be surrounded by other people who profess to follow Jesus, but maybe you aren't. Maybe this is the one time every week where you sit amongst the majority, right? Like you share a love for Jesus with the majority of people around you on on Sunday morning. Not only do we have community on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week we will gather in smaller groups. We call those community groups from place to place and house to house for friendship, prayer, and study. And then in smallest, in the smallest groups, even one-on-one, we pray that there will be relationships between God's people where we walk with one another for accountability and discipleship. That is something we are striving for. That is something we believe is an evidence that we as Mercy Village Church are living on mission with Jesus. We are walking with Him. What I want us to see today, as we go into Acts chapter 2, is that walking with Jesus cannot be disconnected from walking with one another. You have to have both. There's an old quote, and I forget who said it, but you can't say you love Jesus and not love His bride. You can't say you love Jesus and not love His bride. And so walking with Jesus goes hand in hand with walking with one another. It can't be disconnected. But here's the the good news. A group of people devoted to both, 
devoted to walking with Jesus and walking with one another can change their world. The world around you, the relationships around you changed truly by people devoted to both of these things. Father, today what we know not, please teach us. What we are not, please make us. And what we have not, please give us. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As Carolyn read for us, thank you, Carolyn, you you heard the word fellowship early on. There's a Greek word underneath that, koinonia. It's a very important word in the New Testament. If I mispronounced it, don't tell me. I like to feel like I'm smart. You see it 19 times in the New Testament. This is the first place you see it. Most often it's translated fellowship, but it also is sometimes translated participation to share or sharing with one another, contributing to one another, being in partnership with one another. So you can see why it's an important word for the body of Christ, this diverse group of people from a thousand different directions in life as they come together, right, in this cocktail of crazy, what will unify them? How will they have fellowship? How will they have koinonia? Only through Jesus. The word carries with it a sense of being together, having something in common, accompanying someone on a journey. That's what we're talking about when we talk about walking with one another. It's not just a concept. It's an embodied reality. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be seen and felt and experienced within the body of Christ. Not just preached about on Sunday morning, right? That's the worst case scenario is that it would only show up here in a sermon. But instead, it would be an embodied reality amongst the people of God. That's koinonia. That's walking with one another. So here we go. Verse 42. The first thing we learn about these people. This is the early church. This is the front end of the whole thing. Jesus has gone back to heaven. He said his disciples, right, go and make disciples. And they're doing that. And as they do, the church buds into existence. And so these people, these very first Christians, at least 3,000 of them, probably a few more, are, are coming together in this place. And, and the book of Acts tells us what it looked like as they did. It says, they, verse 42, they devoted themselves. That's the first thing we see about this group of people is they were devoted to something. In fact, two categories kind of here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to it. Devotion is different than a, than a side hustle. Devotion is different than a hobby. Devotion is different than just a Sunday morning only thing or something that's trendy or a part-time job. Devotion is day by day, moment by moment. When you feel like it and when you don't. That's devotion. When it's easy and when it's difficult, devoted. And, and they're devoted to some things. I've uh, made it an unwritten goal to read from Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper every week in this sermon series. Here's one for you. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world. But you do have to know the few great things that matter, perhaps just one. And then 
be willing to live for them and die for them. The people that make a durable difference by God's standard in the world are not the people who have mastered many things, but who have been mastered by one great thing. These people in the book of Acts, this early church, they were devoted at that level. Some of them will die for this. All of them will live for this, sacrifice for this. You'll see this play out. Namely, it's it's one thing, but it's two parts. Walking with Jesus and walking with one another. You see it, right? You see the vertical piece that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. You see the vertical piece that they devote themselves to prayer. There's this upward walking with Jesus, supernatural, spiritual expression. And then there's this horizontal piece. They're in community together. They're sharing a common meal together. They're walking with Jesus, vertical. They're walking with one another, horizontal. This is what they've devoted themselves to. To the apostles' teaching. Think generally in in our day, the Word of God. We're devoted to this book. We walk with Jesus primarily. Our knowledge of Him comes from this book. We walk with Jesus by, by being devoted to the Word of God. More specifically, they were devoted to what the apostles were teaching, which was the explicit gospel. Right? That all of us are born in sin. Thanks, Adam and Eve, right? Like that wasn't the way it was meant to be. There was designed perfection. Adam and Eve placed into this perfect garden by God's design. They then choose their own way over God's way. Death comes through one man, Adam, and uh, or sin comes through one man, Adam, and death by sin, and death passes upon all people, for all have sin. Sin now becomes a part of everyone's life, and with that, the decay and breakdown and brokenness of the world around us. And we long to see it all put back together the way God intends it to be. Whether we know that's what we're longing for or not, inside of us is a longing to see it all made right again. What we realize is, We can't make it right again. Time after time, we may try, but we fail over and over and over again because we're born in sin. We have the inability to to set things right with God again. And that's what the apostles were teaching. But then the good news, many of them having seen it with their very own eyes, God sent forth His Son at the right time, born of a virgin. Jesus, God with skin on, came and dwelt among us and lived a perfect, sinless life the perfect Son of God. And He went to the cross. At 33 years old, they they took Him, but He went willingly, carried His cross, nails into His hands and into His feet, blood spilling out, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, by God's design, cleanses us from all our sin. Our sin can be forgiven, cleansed, because of the death of Jesus on the cross. And the apostles had seen this with their own eyes, and now they're proclaiming it. And not only that, but the exclamation point of the gospel was that Jesus hadn't stayed in the ground, but three days later He resurrected from the dead, and they had seen Him. They'd seen His hands, they'd seen His feet, they had eaten, they had a fish grill out on the beach with Him. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, that in reality Jesus was alive and that the gospel was true. 
So they proclaim to the world, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. There's salvation in no other name, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But Jesus, and, and they got in a lot of trouble for it. They also saw a lot of revival for it. God's saving people. This is what they devoted themselves to. The gospel. And then these people not only devote themselves to the gospel, but horizontally they devote themselves to fellowship with one another in community. That's our word, fellowship, koinonia. Walking out life together. Experiencing the transformation of the gospel side by side. And there's a little caveat or a little explanation of where they did this that's another piece of this horizontal devotion that they have. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread together. This certainly included communion, the breaking of bread and and the celebration of communion. But more than that, it was the sharing of a common table. These people would come together and one of the expressions of their koinonia was to sit around a table together and eat a meal together and fellowship with each other there. Don't underestimate the power of a shared table. We have a table in our home. It's such a gift. When my dad was a child, the next door neighbor had a tree fall in his yard and he was a carpenter who had retired, but he came out of retirement because this was a massive tree and he built this table, this long, wide farm table with these bench seats for my grandpa. My grandpa set that in his home. My dad grew up at that table, good memories, bad memories, life together. My wife and I inherited the table. It now sits in our home. I grew up eating on it. My dad had inherited it. I grew up eating at it. Now my boys grow up. It's the fourth generation that has sat around that table, but it's not only been our family that has sat around that table. The people of God have sat around that table. Sin has been confronted around that table. Victories in Christ have been celebrated around that table. Stories of God at work in people's lives have been shared around that table. Around a common meal. Tim Chester has a great book, A Meal with Jesus. He talks about sharing meals together. He says this, when your church family gathers together as a group of needy people and share food with Jesus at the center and with Jesus as the provider, you glimpse God's coming world right here, right now. There are glimpses of the coming kingdom of God to be had around a shared table, a shared community, the people of God. One day Jesus will serve the meal. So the Bible tells us that one day at the marriage supper of the Lamb, He will serve it to us. What a glorious day that will be. In the meantime, we foreshadow that meal as we gather together as the people of God, a glimpse of the kingdom. Might we be devoted to one another and our devotion to one another find us around shared tables, sharing life together with Jesus at the center. And lastly, they devoted themselves to prayer. My dad, again, would always say, what is prayer? And it was meant to be a simple answer. Talking to God. It's just that simple. That's what prayer is. It's just talking 
to God. And, and the call of Scripture is to day by day, moment by moment, be right always in prayer. Always in conversation, like Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day in the garden. We walk with Jesus, talking with Him. So there's the vertical piece, the horizontal piece. There's walking with Jesus. There's walking with one another. And they devoted themselves to those two things. They said, we are going to live for this and we're going to die for this. Everything else, right, will be subservient to this reality that we are going to walk with Jesus till the day we die. And that's going to lead us by default to walk with one another in that pursuit. Vertical fellowship, horizontal fellowship. Walking with Jesus cannot be disconnected from walking with one another. And the reason for that, and it's beautiful, God always existed in community. Have you thought about that? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, One God, three persons. Good luck trying to wrap your brain around it. You're not intended to. It's a doctrine and theology beyond the reach of our finite minds. But in that, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father exist in perfect community. Your God is a communal God. And then He invites you into that community through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. An already existing community. God didn't lack community, and so He made people so He could have community. God had perfect community, and He said to people, you got to get in on this. And Jesus died so that you could become part of that. And not just individually, but together. Right? That's weird. We're an echo of the perfect community of God as we live in community together. An echo. Right? You've been in church long enough to know that sometimes that echo sounds off key, right? And that's, that's part of it. You sign up for community, it ain't gonna be perfect like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But God is sanctifying us and moving us towards that. They're inseparably linked. So that is what they're devoted to. And then we see the results of that true devotion, truly walking with Jesus and walking with one another. Here's what it looks like in the rest of these verses. Verse 43, we see that the grace of walking with one another is impressive. There's there's something about this that's impressive. Verse 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. To be sure, there's nothing impressive about rivalry. right? So that wasn't what was making people stand in awe. Rivalry is common. Just turn on the news. There's nothing impressive about power plays, right? Like that's a common way to live your life. Those are common desires, stepping on others to get what you want, pushing others out of the way, right? Like that stuff's really common in our world. There's nothing impressive about it. Impressive about it. It's just everybody wants to win. Only those truly saved into the all-satisfying fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit will then desire to die to themselves and lay their lives down for the sake of others, to truly devote themselves to one another. And that's what the world saw. A group of people, oh, how they love each other. That's what they said about it. And there was awe that came upon every soul. That's true fellowship. True fellowship, right? When the world looks at the body of Christ and they see Republicans and Democrats, right? When they see young and old, rich and poor, 
successful and struggling and all the different things that divide the rest of the world, when they see those people together, awe comes upon them. How does that happen? So it's impressive. Not only that, but it's it's inclusive. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They had all things in common? Really? (laughs) They didn't. They didn't have... That can't be what it means. It can't mean that every single thing about their lives were in common. Right? They all liked Van Morrison. Nope. The smart ones did, right? They all liked Marshall football. No. About 600 people like martial football right now. <laughs> right? They didn't have all those things in common. In fact, they had a lot of things that, that were different. But what they did have in common was the one thing that touches everything. Right? And so all things were touched by that one thing. In the family of God, there's no Jew or Greek or African or Scandinavian or Canadian or West Virginian, the primary identifier is Jesus. Granted, there are all those things, but that's not a primary identifier for any of the people of God. The primary identifier is Jesus. This touches every part of our identity. I'll say it again. I mean, have you ever seen a more ridiculous patchwork of people than the body of Christ? Wild group of people together around one thing, the gospel. The UN's about to add a couple nations, or is on in the course of adding a couple, because the whole Russia-Ukraine thing that's going on. A couple nations are going to slide into the, to the UN. Every tribe, tongue, and nation will stand before Jesus one day and worship Him. Every tribe and tongue and nation. It's inclusive. God's family is every demographic, every geographic, every biographic thing that could divide in the cross, the shadow of the cross. We look at one another in this wildly diverse group of people and we say, we have all things in common because everything about us is touched by Jesus. That is inclusive. The grace of walking with one another is impressive. It's inclusive. Now grab your wallet because it's also expensive. Okay. Verse 45 is a little unsettling. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. (laughs) What are the functional gods of American society, by the way? Money and pleasure. Some depraved ways we pursue pleasure. Some uh, seemingly good ways we pursue pleasure. But we want pleasure and we want money because money gives us security in the belly, right? So functionally, these are things that we chase after. And that's why it's really difficult for us, almost impossible to imagine like selling your second car and then giving that money to someone in the church who has a need. But the reality for the child of God is that the storehouses of heaven And all that is there belongs to the child of God. Everything that is God's belongs to you. 
The earth itself is the inheritance of the Christian. The very universe is the inheritance of the Christian. Your retirement plan includes immeasurable wealth and infinite joy. That's the promise for the child of God. And so Jesus, right, as joint heirs with Jesus, Jesus counsels us, don't store up your treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up your treasure in heaven. We can give away. Even just this past week, we were set to go on a vacation to Maine, or two weeks ago now. There were people in our church who, without any prompting, handed us a little bit of money that made our trip a lot more enjoyable. We had needs. Again, not even like we were going to go hungry and starve to death. We had needs, right? You can tell stories like that. It might not have just been financial, by the way. There might have been times that you needed a helping hand. You needed encouragement. You needed somebody to meet you where you are, to give you a ride, whatever it might be. The body of Christ is there for each other. Impressive, inclusive, and expensive. And then 46 might be even more difficult because it's intrusive. The grace of walking with one another is intrusive. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Day by day. Walking with one another will be intrusive on your schedule. It's a lifestyle. It's not a Sunday morning only thing. It's They're going to ask you to help cook the hamburgers at the at the Wednesday night cookout. And you have to show up early and talk to all those knuckleheads who are hanging out there too early because only knuckleheads come early. So there you are having your schedule intruded upon with Jesus at the center. They're attending the temple together. It's intrusive on your me first church attendance attitude. It's intrusive upon that part of you that wants to come into the church and be like, who's going to serve me? Who's going to lay their life down for me? Who's going to invest in me? But instead, we come into this place and say, how can I serve others? How can I lay my life down? We don't come into this place entitled. They were breaking bread together in their homes. Walking with one another will be intrusive on your personal property. Open wide your doors. Jacob will pee on your floor. He will. And that's beautiful. That's grace. It is. Because the people of God are together, right? Get some tear stains on your couch. Get some wine stains on your rugs. Weep with those who weep. Laugh with those who laugh. Throw open your doors and be intruded upon by the body of Christ. Together. One day I'll pee on my floor, Jacob, so don't take that personally. You'll grow out of it, I'll grow into it. It's just part of the... They receive their food. It's intrusive on your refrigerator. Go home, make a budget line item, meals with the saints, right? Set some money aside to eat with the people of God. And it, here's the beautiful thing. It's with glad and generous hearts. All these things that feel like difficult on on 
uh, at surface level, you think, well, that stuff sounds hard and, and dumb. I don't want to do any of it. But in this, right, in walking with one another, you know what else gets intruded upon? Your cold, my cold and callous heart. And what intrudes is the gladness of Jesus welling up inside of you and filling you to the brim. Right When God calls you to fellowship with Himself and and with the saints, He's calling you to joy. The grace of walking with one another is impressive, it's inclusive, it's expensive, and it's intrusive. And then lastly, though, and this is my dream, my hope, my prayer, it's explosive. Watch what happens. 47, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I'd love to see revival like this in this place. Day by day, added to Mercy Village Church those who are being saved. This is still happening, by the way. Jesus promised to build His church as an invincible promise. Jesus is still adding to the family of God day by day, those who are being saved. And Jesus will continue building His church. And He will build His church using people, regular, everyday people devoted to walking with Jesus and walking with one another. Because when those two things happen, it's it's explosive. Walking with Jesus and walking with one another can't be separated from each other. But when people are devoted to those things, it, it can change their world. So my first question as we close is, are you walking with Jesus? Because if you want to truly walk with one another in a way that brings joy and life to you, you can't just be walking with one another without walking with Jesus. So are you walking with Jesus? First John 1, 1 through 4 says this, That which was from the beginning, John here is talking about Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. John was able to say that. And not only that, but we've seen the results of this Jesus with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father. Eternal life is found walking with Jesus, who was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, horizontal fellowship. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus If you want to walk in fellowship with the people of God, first you must walk in fellowship with God, and there is no way to walk in fellowship with God except through Jesus. Same author, John, chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way into fellowship with God, the only way into vertical fellowship is through Jesus. We shared the gospel very early on in this sermon. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus died on the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. He was raised from the dead, and all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. It's that simple. If 
you're not a Christian, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today, be brought into fellowship with God, and in turn be brought into fellowship with one another. If you have any questions about that, I'll be available to talk to you, and I would love to. And finally, saints, what's our call coming out of this? Well, might we be devoted to those two things? Walking with Jesus and walking with one another, but first an encouragement, by the way. We passed over this little nugget earlier. God exists in perfect community, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is nothing broken about that community. It is a perfect community. And Jesus, who is your advocate, is part of that perfect community. So, be encouraged today when you fail at walking with Jesus. And when you fail at walking with one another, true Christian today, Jesus stands in His perfect community and says to the Father, I died for those failures. I died for those sins. Those are forgiven sins. Which means you need not wallow in despair when you fail, but instead you can pick yourself back up by the grace of God and keep going. Keep striving. Jesus bore all your failures in fellowship. And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you to help you when you fail, not only be forgiven as you repent, but to stand back up and to walk, to be sanctified, to repent, to be humble, and to continue striving to be devoted to those things. And so that's the exhortation. Resting in the finished work of Jesus on the Resting in what God has done on your behalf. Resting on the fact that the power comes from God and the example comes from God through Jesus. Read your Bible. Pray. Fast. Sing. Memorize. Evangelize. Those things that sometimes maybe feel like a chore, maybe because of the way you were brought up or for whatever reason, are actually opportunities to walk with a loving God who's invited you into community with Himself. So choose those things from a place of that unshakable reality that you're a child of God. And then, right, walking, that's walking with Jesus. Then devote yourself to rolling in here on Sunday mornings and rolling into our community groups as those get kicked back off in August and and all the other places that you rub shoulders with the saints of God. Devote yourself to walking with one another no matter the cost, right? Right? Move towards the body of Christ with the devotion to one another, no matter the cost. The grace of walking with one another begins with God, and in Christ alone, we experience it vertically and horizontally, and God gets the glory and we get the joy. Walking with Jesus cannot be disconnected from walking with one another. We'll go hand in hand. And a group of people, might we be this group of people devoted to both, can change their world So might we walk with Jesus together for all our days. Let's pray. Father, thank you at the cost of your son for inviting us into community with you. What a beautiful gift, (laughs) unmatched, unmatched gift, unfathomable gift. Might that be by far our biggest takeaway each and every Sunday and every day that we've been invited to walk with Jesus. What a gift. Might we be devoted to that? And might that spill out by your grace and your power 
into our relationships with one another. Might we be a people, whatever the cost, whatever the sacrifices, whatever the discomfort that may be brought about by it, might we be devoted to walking with one another because there you have promised that we will find gladness of heart. Because we'll see what it's like to walk with Jesus with one another and there is no higher calling. The peace that passes all understanding is there. The joy that carries us through the darkest moments is there. With the body of Christ walking with you. Make it so for us. In Jesus Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts. We exist to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone. And we'd love for you to experience what God is doing as Jesus builds Mercy Village Church. Connect with us online at www.mercyvillage.church.